0: God is truly good to all of us here this morning. Let me hear you say amen, if you believe that. Amen? Amen. Amen. I invite you to turn me to our opening text, and it's found in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19 is our opening text. The sermon title this morning is Playing the Love Game, Playing the Love Game. We started this series two sermons ago. We focused on the first sermon, remember, was on women. And then the next sermon, two weeks ago, was on men. That was probably the most straightest sermon I've ever preached, I felt. Today's one is on playing the love game, men and women. This is a series of sermons I have outlined, 12 different series. We're focusing on relationships um, between Husband and wives, boyfriend and girlfriends, we're starting off with the foundation of our relationships, boyfriends and girlfriends, finding your soulmate, moving on to sexual integrity, the foundation, and moving on how to find your loved one, your soulmate, then moving on to how to, you know, restore that first love and keep on going on to how to live with your one loved one who cheated on you to completion, all the way to the end. And so now we're on our third sermon entitled Playing the Love Game. You see, Satan today has made the gift of love into a cheap game, today especially. And the men and women who play these games, the love game, are called players. People who play in the game of love are called players. Have you ever heard someone say, he's a player? You ever heard somebody say that? What that means is that that person who is a player has learned how to manipulate women or play women to get them to do what they want them to do and they're good at it. This term player also applies to women who learn how to play men or manipulate men also. We have learned in the last two sermons that women's battles are with the ears and the emotional While men's battles are with the eyes and the physical. The crafty players in the game of love, whether they be men or women, understand these principles I just shared with you very well. So much to the utmost, so much so that they play the opposite sex that they can get what they really want. They don't care about the other party getting hurt for they are selfish and only concerned about gratifying themselves this is not true if you believe this is true let me hear you say amen. amen amen you're out there i'm not way out there you're out of touch with the world but you're out there you, you agree as christians we are not to play this game of love amen god does not want us to be a player nor does god want us as christians to be played right to be taken advantage of to be hurt For God knows that one wrong decision in our love life may determine whether our future will be a happy one or a living hell. Beloved, this morning I would like to study with you from the Word of God the tricks and games people play in order to manipulate. We'll be studying this topic so that we may learn to never play any of these dangerous games as Christians and so that also we may have a happy And a successful love life is my humble prayer this morning. Let us pray. Father, as your word is open, we humbly ask that you may help us to learn from it, that you may teach us what you want us to learn, and that we may apply. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's first take a look at the games, men, play. Proverbs 20, verse 19. What do we counsel to not do? Proverbs 20, verse 19, the Bible says, he that goes, he that goes about as a tailbearer, reveal his secrets, know the second part especially, therefore meddle not, or associate not with who? Him, the man, don't meddle with the man that what? Flatters with his what? Lips. We're not to meddle or associate with anyone who flatters with his lips. You see, women are aroused by what they hear. And it's out of a woman's emotional desires that her heart cries out for someone who can satisfy the innermost needs to be loved, needed, valued, cherished. And when a man seems to satisfy these needs, a woman falls head over heels for him. Women... Men who are players know this and they use flattery as a way to sweet talk you to get them you to do what they want you to do, to call out your affections toward them, to play with your emotions by what they do. And once they have called out your affection, they are then able to manipulate you. See, players know the effects their words have upon you women. They call it sweet talkers. And before many women finally wake up, you probably know people like this, or maybe you're one of these people. Before they finally wake up, many of the years have been wasted with this one man who had totally destroyed and ruined their whole life, and all their friends know that that person had manipulated him, that person, the whole time. You don't have to say anything, but think about it. Do you know people like this? Friends, family, used, manipulated by a certain man. All these years wasted because of what that man did to that woman? In other words, women, don't fall for one who calls out your affections by sweet-talking you. You may think that you're the only one he talks that way to you, too. But if he's talked that way to you, you know he's talked to a hundred different women that way also, right? Look at this quote right here. Look at this quote. From the Spirit of Prophecy, Ellen White, Letters to Young Lovers. It says here, to trifle with hearts, call out affections, is a crime of no small magnitude in the sight of a holy God. Yes, some will show preference for young ladies and call out their affections. They're calling out their affections. And then go their way and forget all about the words they have spoken and their effect. A new face attracts them and repeat the same words, devote to another the same what? Tensions. Tensions. Are there people out there that do this, you think? Are there maybe people in the church that maybe do these love games? Now that we looked at how we shouldn't call out affections and play with a person's emotions, let's look at a situation. Turn me to Genesis chapter 39, verse 7. Look how we may deal with a situation where... A person is already attracted to you. Maybe they're attracted to you. You didn't call out their affection, but they're attracted to you. Maybe you did. But what are you supposed to do when they're attracted to you? Genesis chapter 39, verse 7. The answer is found in the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Genesis chapter 39, verse 7. What did Potiphar's wife want to do with Joseph? Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that His master's wife, Potiphar's wife, cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, what? Sleep with me. She wanted to sleep with her husband's servant. Now, what did Joseph do? Look at verse 10 to 12. The Bible says, And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand, and what? And fled and got him out. I want you to notice that the Bible says here in verse, the Bible says here in verse 10 at the end, it says, Not only did he not sleep with her, the Bible says that he were not even, what? Be even near him, the Bible says. Near her at all. That's how you should be as Christians. Men, if you know someone who likes you, and she's married or single, and you don't intend to marry her, don't feed off her affections or play with that person's emotions. Flee from her. If you know she likes you, don't smile at her knowingly. Don't be anywhere where she can be further impressed with you. Send, spend no time with her, even in public places. Send absolutely no return attraction signals back to her. Don't play with her affection. Don't call out affections. Don't play with her emotions. Knowing that she can, she can be even putting your hands. Don't do any of these things. Men as Christians, we are not to flatter, flirt, or lead on a woman in order to call out her affections. Don't play with a woman's affections by calling her your sweetheart or your girlfriend when she's not your sweetheart or your girlfriend. Mm -hmm. These are serious offenses before God, and one day will call for serious consequences. Look at the quote here, the next one. It says, talking about men again, I was compelled to hear the words spoken by some men to women and girls. Words of what? flattery, words that would deceive and infatuate the women. You remember the women's battles with the mind, the emotion, they can meet you the first time and they're already thinking about how it would be like married to you already. Satan uses all these means to destroy souls. Some of you may thus have been his agents. And if so, you have done this, men, you will have to meet these things in the judgment. A serious matter. Now men, that we took a look at men, let's take a look at the games women play. Turn to Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6 to 27. Proverbs chapter 7, Psalms, then Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6. You know, as I've been doing this series of sermons, Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6, As I've been doing these sermons, I've been thinking about my own past life and my experiences, and actually these these have been good for my soul, especially what happened to me in the past. But I'm just thinking about this calling out affections. I remember one time I was going to um, Weimar College, and I was going for the ministry, taking college in the ministry there. And I made a policy, since I gave myself totally to the Lord, I said, I'm going to be focused completely on studying the Word of God, preparing for the ministry, that I'm not going to have any relationship the whole time I'm here at college. I don't care who it was. I'm going to focus on the Lord and only the Lord. So that's what I did. No relationships. And by God's grace, I did it by God's grace. But not really. You see, I did it in the sense that there was no real relationship. But I didn't do it in the sense that I didn't call out affections and they didn't call out affections to me. In a sense, it was like a secret relationship. Yeah, we weren't not physical or anything like that, but yet the emotions were called out. And remember, you know, they could smile at you and you normally smile and smile a certain way and say certain things to purposely call out affection you enjoy that feeling and play with the person's heart. And you know it's wrong when then finally when you sp- stop spending time or they spend time with another person that it starts hurting. Then you know then, then it's wrong, right? So God doesn't want this only our action, but God wants us to heart. and he doesn't want us to play with people's affections and emotions and play games with one another, especially as Christians, women. Let's look at a player, a woman who was a player, who played this innocent young man. Turn to Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6, and the Bible says, I'm going to read all the way to the end of the chapter, so you can follow me. The Bible says, and follow the storyline here, what's going on. For at the window of my house I look through my casement, and behold among the simple ones, beheld among the simple ones, I discern among the youth a young man, void of understanding, not knowing how to play the game, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house in the twilight in the evening in the black and a dark night, and behold there met him a what? Woman, with the tire of a what? Harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn, her feet abide not in her house. Now she without, now in the streets and lying in wait at every corner. So she caught him, this young man. She kissed him. With an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet you, diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I have decked my bed with the coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man, oh, my husband, is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield with the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He gored after her straightway, as an ox goes to the what? Slaughter. Or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare. nor it not; that is, it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths, for she has cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Men, don't fall for this type of woman who's a player. She has cast down her wounded. Many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Look at this quote right here, talking about women from the spirit of prophecy again. The women, 100 years ago, the women in this age, 100 years ago, both married and unmarried, too frequently do not maintain the reserve that is necessary. They encourage the attentions of single and married men and those who are weak in moral power will, will be ensnared. Thoughts are awakened that would not have been if women had kept their place in all modesty and sobriety on the bottom. Women are too often, what? Tempters. One pretense or another, they engage the attention of men, married or unmarried, and lead them on till they transgress the law of God, till their usefulness is ruined and their souls are in jeopardy. You know, and this is my experiences. I think about the relationships I had and this is my experiences with with women. I've noticed that the trend, i noticed that there's a trend that women are becoming more bold and forward in even how they ask you out or even how they flirt with you. Do you notice that? Even compared to today, compared to even 20 years ago, I've noticed that um, a lot. And the stuff they say to you is stuff that even some Men would even not say it to girls, and I noticed that some women are so bold and forward that they're saying it to men today. Do you notice that today? Or is it just me? What does the women battle with? Proverbs seven verse ten. How did this woman who was a player, how did she dress? Proverbs seven verse ten. Notice the Bible says. Behold I met him a woman with The attire of a what? Prostitute. I want you to notice that this woman, she was not a prostitute. We got to remember that. This woman in this text was not a prostitute. She only dressed like a prostitute in order to what? Attract the attention of men. And she did it all for, not her occupation, but she did it all for fun or for pleasure. That's why women use their bodies, what they wear, right? This is how they manipulate men. They use their bodies, what they wear or don't wear, in order to call out the attentions of men. Remember men's battles we learned is with the eyes we learned last sermon the battles with the eyes and the physical and the players the women especially the good players the women they know this and so they use this to manipulate men to give them the attentions they so strongly desire men don't fall for women who dress this way you believe what I'm saying let me see here you say amen amen Don't fall for women who dress this way. They're dressing this way so that you will look, right? Is that not true? They're dressing this way so you will look and give to them your attention. But don't look. In fact, don't even give them the time of day. We studied about this the last time. Make a covenant with your eyes. Don't give in to what they want. They want your attention. They want you to look. Prostitution is a business and occupation right? A prostitute's livelihood is based upon her success in her business, whether she can survive or not. Think about this. If she is successful, she can pay her bills, pay her rent, she can eat, she can buy clothes for her baby, right? So like any other business, she has to make sure that her product is as attractive as possible. Is that not true? In this case, unfortunately, her product is her body and her target market is men. Now, my question is how does a prostitute dress? Well, she dresses as sexy as possible. Is that not true? Whether she's a street hooker who dresses maybe gaudy, she still dresses sexy. Whether she's a professional escort, who uh, makes money that way. She still, she dresses classy, but yet she dresses still sexy. She still needs to dress sexy. And when one is dressing sexy, she's really dressing to reveal two things, her sleek curves or her bare skin, right? My question, if a prostitute dressed modestly, would she gain any business? Think about that. If she was, you know, and Hilo is always known, what street is that? Mamo Street, if a prostitute was walking Mama Street, what about Oahu? What street is known out there? Hotel Street. So if a prostitute was to walk down Mama Street, Hotel Street, and walking down the street, if she was to go there and she had long sleeve, baggy blouses, and big poofy skirts all the way down to the ground, looking like a covered wagon, would she make good business, beloved? Would she? She would not make any good business. Now, I'm not saying they need to dress this way, but you get the point, right? You see, Satan has bombarded women through television, music, movies, magazines, and romance novels that they must be in shape, in love, and in control, and that being sexy is of utmost priority. Is that not what Hollywood does? Is that not what the magazines does? It compares all these supermodels to how you look. And you figure, well, in order to get, they get attention, in order for me to get attention, that's is how I got to dress. And you will get attention. You see, today women want to know how short their skirts, shorts, or tops can be. When a woman goes shopping and says that she wants to buy something attractive today, what she really is saying is that she wants to buy something that reveals her sleek curves or her bare skin. Women, as a Christian, you are not a prostitute. Therefore, don't dress like a prostitute. Don't dress to seek the attention of men. Instead, why don't you seek to seek the attention of God by dressing up your character with the robe of His righteousness this morning below? Look at this quote right here, 100 years ago. The back page. In these last days, some of the fashions are shameful and immodest, Hmm. if God's professed people had not greatly departed from Him, there would now be a marked difference between their dress and that of the world. We're living in a time when earth's inhabitants are growing more and more corrupt and the line of distinction must be more plain between them and the image of God or the curse which falls upon worldings will fall on God's professed people. Yes, beloved, the world dresses that way. That's how they dress. So they're making no pretensions. They're saying this is how it is out there. Fine, but beloved, as a professed Christian of God, there should be a marked difference or some type of difference, shouldn't there be? How should we dress according to the Bible? Turn me to Genesis chapter three, verse seven. Genesis chapter three, verse seven. Let's look at Adam and Eve, the first couple. Right after they sinned, they ate the fruit, Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. The Bible says, And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. They were naked. So what did they do? And they sold fig leaves together and made themselves... What did they make themselves? They made themselves what? Aprons. Aprons. How does the apron look like? <laughs> <laughs> See, I need not know how to put this on. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Made itself aprons, right? You tell me, okay, as I put this apron on. <laughs> is that modest? <laughs> is that modest? If I was a woman, is this modest? Is this how some women dress, maybe, you think? Today, so apparently they, uh, right after they sinned, I didn't bring, well I'll show you the other illustration. Okay, look at chapter 3, verse um, 21, chapter 3, verse 21. God, seeing that they weren't dressed properly, decided to clothe them. What did he clothe them? And look the Bible says. And Adam also. unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. So God felt, apparently the aprons was not good enough, God felt. So he took away the aprons and he gave them what? Coats. Now that original Hebrew is actually a um, robe of, it was a linen that went all the way down from here, all the way down. And cover them. Is that modest? You think? Women, there's a saying in the Bible that says we are to love ourselves as our what? Neighbor. Scenario one, you know that your neighbor, example, you have a neighbor that's a good friend of yours, and she is dieting. Why is she dieting? Because she is getting married soon and so she's on this diet and she um, wants to lose 10 pounds because on that wedding day she don't want to be embarrassed right she wants to look good and she wants to make sure that her her dress fits and everything but you as her neighbor is an excellent gourmet chef and you love the attention and the approval that you get when you make good tasting pastries and foods so what you do is You go over and visit her every single day, and you bring to her, and you encourage and insist to her that she eats your pound cake and your coconut cream pie samples, and you bring it to her that you bring to house every day. Now my question is: Are you acting lovingly or selfishly toward her? Selfishly. Okay. Scenario number two. Consider this. You know. That men, as we learn in the Bible, the last sermon, are visually stimulated at the sight of a woman's body, right? Now you know. And I think 95% of you, even though I preached on it, you still don't know. You don't get it. They're they're attracted to the sight of a woman's body, especially a scantily clad body. You're also aware that godly men, godly men, not the worldly men, but godly men, are trying desperately to honor their wives or their fiancés or girlfriends by not allowing their eyes to stray. In light of this, you still crave attention from men. If you insist on wearing clothes that reveal your sleek curves and tanned skin, are you acting lovingly or selfishly? This is a good thing to ask yourself each morning. You're getting dressed for the day. Rather than asking, what man will I come across today, and will this catch his eye? Try asking yourself every morning, would wearing this outfit be a loving expression, not causing my brothers to stumble and fall? Is that a good question? Now that we look at the games men and women play, let's now take a look at the dangers of playing these games. John chapter 18, verse 15. Turn to John chapter 18, verse 15. What did Peter pretend where John did not? John chapter 18, verse 15 to 18. Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. That's John. He doesn't like to write his name in there every time he writes about himself. Simon Peter followed and so did another disciple, John. That disciple was known, John was known to the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. So he went in. But Peter stood at the door without. And then went out that other disciple. John went on, which was known unto the high priest, and he spake unto her that kept the door, and he brought in Peter. So John brought in Peter. Then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Are you not also one of the man's disciples? He said, I'm not. And the servants and officers stood there, who had made a fire coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood where? With them. He warmed himself. John was known as the high priest, and he went in with Jesus unto the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood with the officers and the soldiers. John was real and unpretending. He went in as a disciple of Christ. Peter, on the other hand, pretended to be something he was not. And because John revealed who he really was, they didn't bother him because he didn't fake it. But because Peter was faking it, he looked out of place, and it bothered him. till he cracked and compromised. Look at the paper right here, the yellow paper again on the back page. The disciple John it says the disciple John, upon entering the judgment hall, did not try, John did not try to conceal the fact that he was a follower of Christ. He did not conceal it. He did not mingle with a rough company who were reviling his master. He was not questioned, for he did not assume a false character and thus lay himself liable to suspicion. See, John didn't pretend that he was a Christian. He just went in and and he didn't pretend he wasn't a Christian or compromised or anything. He just said, that's who I am. And they didn't bother him. But notice Peter. Look at the next paragraph. He associated with the servants and everybody. Peter had not designed that his real character should be known. In in assuming an air of indifference, he had placed himself on the enemy's ground and he became an easy prey to temptation. Beloved, don't miss this point. Don't play with the world and play cool with the world when that's not really how you like. Young people, many of you were not even raised like the world. So don't act as if you're something else, beloved, when you're really not. And many of you sitting here know more and know better than people in the world, right? Amen? Don't pretend to be cool trying to play the love game with a beer in your hand. For Satan would just take your pretension and he would humiliate you this morning, beloved. Be real like how John was real. For if you let like Peter conceal who you really are, the world will see that you're awkward, unnatural, and out of place at that party, and they will just press you to your ruin. Many of my friends have been brought to ruin this way, and when they finally wake up, it's too late. They pretend to be something in the try and play a little bit with the world. My question this morning is, why is that people in the world can ruin a Christian like you and me so easily? Turning me to Luke chapter 16, verse 8. Luke chapter 16 verse 8. What did Jesus commend the unjust steward for? Luke chapter 16 verse 8. The Bible says, and the Lord, Jesus, Lord is saying the Lord commended. See the, the unjust steward, he did an unrighteous act. He tricked his master. And notice what jesus said about what this unjust steward did the lord commended the unjust steward he commended him for for the unjust steward because he had done what wisely not for the unrighteous act but because he was wise now follow me for the children this is a powerful thought for the children of this world are in their generation what wiser than the children of light In other words, when it comes to worldly things, the people, church, beloved, the people in the world are wiser than the people in the church. Beloved, when it comes to playing love games, the people in the world are wiser than you and me. So don't start playing the love game the way the world does and think you're not going to get hurt or burnt. The world is is smarter than you. Let me say that again. The world is smarter than you when it comes to their games. And you have been raised differently your whole life or maybe you've been in the world but you come out of the world for a while. Don't think that you're just going to have some fun out there in the world. Jesus said the world is smarter than you and it will abuse you, it will take advantage of you and then it will hang you out to dry. Men, don't flirt and flatter and sweet-talk women in order to call out their affections or play with their emotions like all your other worldly friends may do. Yes, it may work, but you will pay if not in a future relationship, beloved, believe me, then certainly in a judgment. Women, don't start dressing like your worldly friends in order to seek the attention of men through what you wear, just like your worldly friends. Yes, you will get attention, but it'd be the wrong type of attention. Like any game, there are winners and there are losers, right? And the winners are the ones in any game you may play football, basketball, whatever, checkers, chess. In any game, the winners always know how to play the game well. They practice a lot, they study their opponents very well. And they also have a lot of playing time and in the game of love the men and women of this world they practice this game a lot they practice their lines or what they how they look like they take time to study the opposite sex they know these principles i'm teaching you those who know how to play this game they know it better than they think you know it even though i preached on it and they have a lot of playing time because of their so many relationships they had in the past they had a lot of practice with all of these couple relations that they had, where you're just going out for your first time to have a relationship with this such a nice guy. They were instead, so don't think that you're just going to have a little fun playing with the men or women from the world. They were instead play you, tease you, manipulate you, then deceive you, for they, the Bible says, are wiser than you. In any game you may decide to play checkers chess or whatever if you decide to go out and play this game of love and be a player no matter how good you are at any game doesn't matter if you play football basketball there comes a time where no matter how, you're the best player out there there comes a time where sooner or later you will lose at least once right any game basketball football in the love game in the same way, if you continue to play this game of love, no matter how good you are, I don't care how good you are, you will one day, sooner or later, lose in the game of love at least once. The problem with losing in the game of love is that you can't just walk up the car and forget about it. The problem with the game of love, you can't just walk away and not feel it in your heart, right? The problem with the game of love is that it just doesn't go away, the pain and the hurt and the suffering. And not only we may affect our happiness and our destiny for this world, but it may even also affect your destiny in the world to come. This morning, Christ has died on the cross of Calvary for us because he loves us. And may his love awaken with us, a love for him. And as we love him, let us then make some changes in our lives by making some covenants with him. That's some covenants. Please look in the back here for covenant time here. Covenants that will give us happiness in our lives, in our homes, and in our relationships. Covenant challenges based upon God's promises to us, not our promises. Our promises are like ropes of sand. The Bible says it's ropes. you can't make ropes out of sand. I mean it'll never happen. You make a promise, uh, you can break it, but only through Jesus Christ and His love on the cross of Calvary can you keep these covenants. Amen? Amen. Covenant number one: Covenant to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, who loved you so much, who wants you to be happy the rest of your life. Give your life to Him, and you will be happy. Number two. Covenant to not be a player in the game of love. I hope I discourage all of you from being players this morning. i pray to God I do. Covenant not only not to be a player, but covenant to stay as far away from players, from those in the opposite sex who play the love game so that you won't be played by them. How many Seventh-day Adventist Christians I see being played by worldlings all the time? And they don't even know it. And everyone's telling them, get rid of him, but they won't listen to sound counsel once you're in it. So, my counsel is, don't get in it. Amen? Don't get, young people, do not get into it. Three. Sorry, four. Men. Covenant to not call out affections from women through flattery, flirtation, or by being funny. Now, you know, being funny is like TV or internet or a gun. And I believe in, We you know, we should have the right to bear arms. Nothing's wrong with a gun. We should all own guns, allowed to own guns. But it's what you do with a gun that determines whether it's evil or whether it's good, right? So nothing's wrong with humor. But when you use humor to manipulate women, see I'm saying this because, you know, in Hawaii, the smooth players, they use humor, can you tell, try telling tell and titter, right? <laughs> your eyes are like the moon, so they like, come on, right? So like, come on. <laughs> but they use humor, right? They use humor to call out your affections and to play with your emotions, and the local girls, they'll fall for that. The culture in Hawaii is like that. So the men who are really smooth players, they use humor without ever having to using a flattery. They they use flattery lines here and there. But they use the humor in order to call out your affections and then play you, and then manipulate you. So that's why I put down there, not to use, trying to be funny. Every every man out there is a player. Wants to be a clown, right out there. <laughs> I mean, it's okay to be funny, but not using it to manipulate women, which happens all the time. Believe it or not, that's how a lot of the local men were. The good, smooth talkers, the smooth players, anyway. Five women, covenant to not call out attentions from men through your what, body, by what you do or do not wear. Is this true? Do you not see this? Come on. Let's be real with each other, right? This happens all the time, especially here in Hawaii. Suggested reading? Okay, every young man's battle. This is for, actually, this is for single people. If it says every young man's battle, you're single. The other book I recommended to you were for married men. Every man's battle is for married men. But if you're single, it's every young man's battle. Same company, same press, same authors, and every young woman's battle is for single women. And then every woman's battle is for married women. So, you know, go to Borders. Actually, you can order from the ABC. You call the ABC, the 800 number, and then they can send it to you. Call Borders or Amazon.com. You can find these books. God is longing for a relationship with you this morning. This same God who sent his son to die on the cross of Calvary, for you 2,000 years ago still loves you the same today this morning. This same God whose words have always come true desires to draw you into a deeper love relationship with you than you have ever imagined. This same God whose words possess the power to form the entire universe longs to speak into your hungry heart words that have the power to heal. A man may say to you, you look fine, but God's word says, the king is enthralled by your beauty. He may tell you, of course I love you, but God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn you. He may tell you, I'm committed to you until death, but God's word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. A woman may try to attract you with a beauty, but God's word has said, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name, and worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness. A female friend may try to get you to be attracted to her body, but God's word has said that the bread which we break is not this, the communion of the body of Christ. A co-worker may tempt you with her sleek curves and bare skin dressing to come to you. But the spirit and the bride says, come. And let him that hear it say, come this morning. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. This morning, why don't you come to a God? Come to this God who is calling you this morning to give your life to him this morning. Why don't you take the time to retreat to a quiet place, to spend time with him every single day? Why don't you speak to God, whatever is on your heart, and then listen to him, to God, as he speaks directly from his heart, directly to yours? Beloved, why don't you surrender your all to him this morning? Why not say in your heart, all to Jesus, I surrender.